This is Carl Palachuk, and you're listening to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Our sponsor this week is PCmatic, endpoint security built on a zero trust philosophy, allowing only trusted applications and blocking all the rest. Lightweight, simple to deploy, easy to manage. Find out about PCmatic's unique lead sharing program for MSPs backed by a primetime national TV campaign. Together, we bring advanced security solutions combined with more than sales enablement. We bring actual leads. Find out more about PCmatic by visiting pcmatic.com MSP. Hi, this is Carl. Hi, this is Amy. And this is the SMB Community Podcast. I don't know which one of us is the guest and which is the host today. We are co-host today. <laughs> Co-hosting. Cool. <laughs> so the topic today is what's up with retainers? So somebody asked you a question during the uh, online conference about retainers. You had mentioned that you use a retainer model and don't do per user or per device pricing. Right. So, so I certainly have experience with retainers having been in the business a while, but why don't you tell us what your retainers look like? What All are right. a retainer? Yeah. So a retainer is a fixed price at which you agree to be available during a period of time, right? So, um, so in the case of my retainers, the way that they work is the retainer covers the portion of the work that we know that we need the freedom to do every month, right? So, so we will size the retainer. We'll take a look at the company and say, okay, for this size of company, we're going to need, you know, six hours every month to do maintenance activities and, we're going to expect about, you know, three hours of, of help desk calls from a company like this. And, you know, we just kind of build out what we know that the time that we are likely to spend with that client. And then we add it all up and we say, this is your retainer. You're going to pay us that amount every month. And this retainer, or this retainer represents up to 10 hours, say. And we say, and we fully expect to use all of those, even if you don't call us, right? We're just going to be doing our thing in the background. If for whatever reason, some projects are going on or changes or, you know, new software is coming in or whatever, and we end up using more hours that month, we're, we're going to bill you for it. If we don't end up using enough hours that month, um, they don't roll over. That's just the retainer. It's, you know, we move on to the next month and we bill your retainer again. So... Uh, you know, one of my rules for success is don't have both sides of the conversation, but I can already hear the first, the first question in the first row, but my clients would never sign that because um, what happens if they, if you don't use all the hours month after month after month? Well, I mean, we, we, we will renegotiate once every six months if they want to. But honestly, almost nobody ever does. Um, the retainer seems like it's really easy for them to understand. 
and it's never such a big number that they balk at it. They just, you know, some people have a little bit of trouble with it not rolling over. We're like, well, it's not ours. It's a retainer. The retainer represents a certain group of hours because, I mean, that's how we calculate, right? <laughs> no matter right. how you do this, whether it's per device or per user or retainer, you are ultimately calculating your hourly, right? How many hours do I have to allocate my staff to be able to do this thing? Right. Um, and so, you know, while it represents hours, it's not actually a block of hours for you're just going to draw off of. It's like, this is your retainer and we can do whatever we want to with those, with the time in that retainer. This is what we think we're going to do with the time in the retainer. But if something comes up and everybody goes home for COVID and we don't have to, you know, we just shift what we do and it stays within the retainer and everybody's happy. And next month we go back to normal with maintenance schedules and stuff like that. So do you call it managed service? I know that for other reasons, you're not a big fan of that term. <laughs> we end up calling it managed service because it's become a term that people understand. Uh, and they expect to work with a managed services firm now. So we use that term, but I don't, I don't really like the term. But <laughs> Well, so, you know, it's funny because for me, uh, I... The, the pieces of it that sound like managed services to me, first of all, it's maintenance based. So back in the day, it was we spent an hour on the server. We spent 15 minutes on each workstation. Now, maybe there is no server, but you still have to maintain accounts and so forth. Um, and it's as flat fee as possible. So the goal is that I'm assuming one of the goals is that the client won't be receiving a whole bunch of invoices in a month. So this is, this is like the, in a perfect world, the retainer is the only invoice you get. Um, and then if there's extra work, then there are additional invoices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On their, right, on their invoice, they typically would have the retainer plus extra hours from the previous month, if there were any. And so in, I, <laughs> I know you don't have a PSA, but if you had a PSA, in your invoicing system, does this just simply say, Managed services, thousand dollars or whatever. It says retainer. Retainer. Yeah, yeah, retainer, thousand dollars, additional hours, you know, hundred and twenty times whatever, and a number. So many people started into the down the road to flat fee services by selling blocks of time, some of which roll over and some of which don't, depending on your philosophy. Um, do you consider this similar to the blocks of time model? I don't because um, in the blocks of time model, the blocks of time typically do roll over, right? You just bought time. Um, you know, we, ran in, we ran into a potential new client recently who was buying blocks of time currently with his IT provider. And he's like, well, I buy 30 hour blocks and then it takes us you know, eight months to use them. They're like, well, yeah, it's not going to work that way. Because the problem with the blocks hours of time is the client likes it because they're in full control, right? I want to spend an hour of time with you out of my block. I want to spend two hours of time with you out of my block. Um, the client likes that because they're in full control. Um, I don't like it because it doesn't allow us to be proactive. 
right? The part of the retainer is uh, we never go forth and ask the client if we can do X. We just go do it and told them we did it. Right. right. So when there's changes that we want to, we want to implement some new security things in the 365 portal. We don't go to the client and say, Hey client, is it okay if we use two hours out of the block to be able to do that? That's not the retainer just gives us the freedom. It's like, we have work to do. You prepaid us to do work and we just go forth and do the work and we don't ask you about it. Right. So in some ways it's similar to if you had an employee who worked whatever, 10 hours a week, you'd be like, okay, so I'll use your 10 hours to do this versus doing that. And you, but you get to choose what it is. Right. So, um, and do you have clients who particularly like the retainer versus the way that they bought it, services from other people? Uh, yeah. So uh, I think, I think all of them. So, <laughs> well, I mean, when we, when we go to meet a potential new client and, you know, at first we're talking about their business and, you know, learning what's going on. And then when it's time to talk about the contract, we say, well, we work on retainer and they're like, well, what does that mean? And then we explain it to them and they're, and they're like, Oh, that, that's, that sounds That sounds really great. So they feel like it's the compromise position, right? They have some control on the overage part, right? Your, your stuff is going to cost you this in the retainer every month, unless something unusual is going on, in which case you pay for that, that unusual thing, right? The big project, you decide to move your office from here to there. Well, we're going to spend a lot of extra time doing that. So you will pay us more than you usually pay us. Right? You've decided to change from one line of business app to a different line of business app. Well, there's going to be a lot more involved. And so you will pay us more that month than you usually pay us. So it's that they have, they it's that balance, right? We hit, we get, we get to be able to do what we know we need the freedom to do our work well, and they get to have some control over when their bill is going to go above that retainer right. number. So if they have a longer term thing where they say, look, I want you to put in whatever, this upgrade on every single workstation, but it's not time sensitive, you don't have to do it all at once. You could sort of fit it into the retainer over six months or whatever. We could, yep. And sometimes, sometimes we do do that. And with the COVID thing going on, we had about six or eight clients that came and said, we would like to not go over our retainer for the next couple months. Can you just hold it, right? <laughs> try to hold us in. Let us, let, us, let us know if it has to go over, but, you know, let's try to hold it into the, into the retainer. Right. And so we're like, no, no, no problem. That's so what we we'll do. You know, my big deal is always uh, there's what's covered and what's not. And I draw a nice black line and add moves changes are not covered. Mm -hmm. uh, in your system, add moves changes could be covered as long as they're within their time limits. Um, so early on, do you calculate, for example, how many ads and, and moves they're going to have in a month? Like if somebody adds, you know, like they add or remove five employees a month. Do you figure that out beforehand? Um, we try to. So, you know, when we're first setting up their contract, we meet, we meet with them and, you know, there's 15 people in the office and um, we know from 
having experience with other offices that size, how much time it's going to take to support them well. And so that's how we make up the contract. Uh, if we get into it and we find that it's significantly different than that, uh, it's actually to their advantage because we, in our, in our calculating back down to the hour to figure out what the retainer is going to be, uh, the, the hours in the retainer turn out to be slightly less than the additional hours outside the retainer. So if, if the client is regularly using more hours than we built in that retainer when they first signed the contract, um, we will say to them, you know, we could add five more hours of time into the, into the retainer. You can't change it for the next six months, but we could, we could stick five more hours in that retainer and, um, you know, you would potentially save, you know, $10 an hour for each of those, each of those hours. And, um, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll choose to do that. So hours inside the retainer at a, are at a reduced rate than hours outside the retainer? Yes. Yep. I would rather have the retained hours because <laughs> they're not, there's no guarantee that they're going to be used, right? So that's another element that sounds like managed services, which is recurring revenue. Yeah. It, well, yeah, it is. The retainer is recurring revenue. Absolutely. Very cool. So did you start out doing retainers like day one? Day one, year 2000. <laughs> so tell us that story. Because I think most people, it's like, oh, I worked for an hour. Here's an invoice for an hour. I worked for two hours. Here's an invoice for two hours. Well, the way that I started my business, I, um, I had gathered some clients on the side from doing my other job, which at the time was supporting schools and installing wide area networks in school districts and then deploying some educational software across all the schools in the district. And as I was doing that, I would be working with the administrators and the principals and the teachers and the computer lab. And invariably, somewhere along the way, somebody would say, uh, you know, my brother is having trouble with his computers at his business. And I would be like, well, yeah, I could swing over there on Saturday and take a look at it, you know. And so I would do that. Um, and I, I ended up with all these clients on the side. And after a bit, I realized that I was making as much from the clients on the side as I was making from my job. And so um, I decided to quit the job because the job was had a lot of travel and it was getting really draining. It was very stressful. And I was like, you know, I have enough money from these that I don't need the job anymore, but I need to know that I have an income. And so that's when I thought, well, how can I structure this so that I have a guaranteed income uh, to be able to quit my job? And I thought, I thought, well, I don't know anything about, I didn't know anything about running a business at the time. It was my very first business. And I said, well, I think lawyers would be a good model for this because they, they have recurring income because previously in my career, I'd worked for a municipality and, you know, I had a lot of interaction with the, with the retained lawyers, right? I, as a, I was the department head for the environmental division, I could just pick up the phone and talk to the, talk to the lawyers. Um, 
And so I knew that there was a certain amount of time built in every month that I was allowed to talk to the lawyers. Otherwise, I had to go get permission because we were going to go over the legal retainer, right? right? And I thought, well, this is a this is a pretty good model. I like this. And also, when you're working with the lawyer, I saw a model for expansion, right? When you hire a lawyer or law firm, you are working with a lawyer, but there's also a team of people that support that lawyer. And you might, you know, work with their staff. I mean, then the lawyer shows up and does one thing, but they got a lot of staff people doing a lot of other things. I thought, this is, sounds like a really good model. So that's what I'm going to do. So I, I went to all of my existing clients with my contract and said, you know, I've been doing your computer work here for a while and you know I have this other job and I'm getting ready to quit it but I need to know that I have an income and so I would like you to sign this contract and it was the retainer thing from get-go and they all signed it 100% of my side clients said you know we think that's a great idea you should be in business for yourself and they all signed my contract and away went. You know it's interesting because right now we're in a period where I believe a number of people are going to leave our business in the next year, year and a half. And another group of people, <laughs> just as big and maybe larger, will be entering our business. And so it's interesting to hear the, the starting stories because I think people don't realize that when you go to a client who already likes you and you say, now I want you to sign a contract, they all go, okay, like we, we love you. That's yeah. why we <laughs> giving you money all the time, right? And and so people worry too much about, you know, all oh, my clients, they don't want this and they don't want that. And I'm not good at sales. And, you know, they've got all of this chatter in their heads. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot. The raising of prices is that way too. I finally learned that the way to raise prices is not to tell anybody that you're doing it. <laughs> just Just raise the price on the invoice when you send them out next time. And, you know, of all the clients you have, they'll just pay the invoice. And one of them will say, did the price go up? It was like, yep, we had a, we had a price increase. Oh, okay. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> wow. You know, it's funny because when I started, I started out in technology working for big companies. And mm -hmm. so I, part of being the operations manager is I managed the contracts for maintenance of you know, the HP mainframe and the uh, Nobel networks and, you know, da, 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 da. And so it never occurred to me to not have maintenance contracts. So when I went out on my own, it's like, okay, I'm going to be the guy who sells and services the maintenance contract. So like this whole concept of break fix, like mm -hmm. I was introduced to that later on. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't, yeah, I saw that other people were doing the break fix and I was like, I don't know, I don't know how you do that. I, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom in my head how I would ever hire somebody, you know, because when I decided I was going to have a business, I knew it wouldn't be just me, right? I was going to have a business that was going to mean me and other people. And so I couldn't, just couldn't fit my head around like, I'm going to have a break fix business where I don't know what my income is. I'm going to have to hire this person and either I will hire too many people and the phone won't ring and will go belly up or, or I can hire not enough people and all the customers will be perpetually unhappy because they're waiting. 
I just I just couldn't figure out how that works to <laughs> to have happy customers and you know and still you know still make money. It just couldn't figure it. So you're currently at about fifteen people. Is that right? No, 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 seven. Seven employees. Yep. Oh, okay. And um, so, are do you have to do all the sales, or is this scalable enough that Ted or somebody else has been trained on how to actually calculate what a reasonable retainer is? Yeah. It, it, uh, at this point in time, um, Ted is the manager of the business, and I am the owner of the business, and. He, he has been fully trained. He goes out and does all of the sales calls on his own now. For two or three years, he and I went together. And, um, and then eventually I just backed a little further away, a little further away, a little further away. And, you know, eventually I was just sitting in the meeting, watch, observing him do it. Right. <laughs> right. And then, you know, no need for me to go anymore. You've, you've, you've got this down. And so, um, so he goes out on his own and does them. Very cool. And um, is there a, I don't know, a formula? Is there a, a worksheet or is this more art than science? Um, I would, there's a formula, but it's not written down. It's in our heads. Right. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's one of those, it's one of those unwritten things. Um, there's de definitely a formula to it and it, it's really just based on our familiarity with other, with other clients that we already have. Right. It, we have a lot of clients grouped into different industries and, you know, when you walk in, you, even if it's in a new industry, you can kind of see like, oh, in this industry, these are all, people that sit at their desk and they use these same four applications, but they're in a completely different industry than a different client that uses those exact same ap applications. And we can say, you are like this client, this client we spend this much time with, very likely we're going to spend this much time with you too. Right. You know, it's funny when I went out, when I would do sales, I always found it was important for me to go to their office rather than them to come to my office because I wanted to see how busy they were, how they interacted, you know, were they all scurrying about and interrupting yeah. each other all the time? Because, you know, there's a certain behavior among clients that will make them more dependent on you because they want to interrupt you all the time. And they, right, they're going to take more hours because they're interrupting each other. You know, everything's an emergency. And it's like, I could just tell, I could get a sense of the environment. Like, yeah, these people are going to take a little extra effort. Yeah, I always wanted to go visit the potential client because um, I could pretty much tell you when I walked in the door whether or not this was going to be a client for us or not. So the client that works for us are ones that are very tech forward, right? Technology is important to their business. They like the technology. They want to be at the, you know, not the cutting edge, but, you know, one small step behind the cutting edge. They're really tech forward companies. And um, if I walk in the door and it's knotty pine paneling with green Formica countertops, um, that's not going to work out for us, right? They, they haven't invested in updating their office in the last 50 years. Their, their technology is going to be the same way. Wow. I just had a flashback to a very specific client. And I, <laughs> well, 
I will bet you a large lunch at a drive through window that Manny would have the exact same client. <laughs> and, you know, so that's why I always wanted to go to the client too. Well, not only that, but we've never had an office. So, um, so we've always, you know, gone to the client and, um, but yeah, being able to see their office space makes a, a big, big difference. Well, also how they behave. I mean, uh, I've told the story before how Mike and I went into this one organization that Microsoft sent us into. Um, and we knew instantly we would fix their problem, but they would never be a client just because of the way the boss behaved to his employees. You know, it's like, I, I don't, there's enough money in the world. I don't have to work with him. <laughs> we have let, I think I've let two clients go over the years be, just for being a, obnoxious people. I mean, you know, yelling, screaming types. So it's just like, we're not here to be abused. And, you know, right. There's no, no reason for it, but that's just the, was the culture of that company, you know, and the way that, the way that the people there operated. I was like, go find somebody else, please. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, I always tell people when the economy is going really, really well, if you don't like your job, now's a great time to quit because you'll get another job. So I yeah. wouldn't necessarily give people that advice today, although in the long run, you will get another job. So, and, and nobody has to work in those, those kind of stressful environments. So. I'm amazed that people do. I mean, <clears throat> sometimes people stay there and you can yeah you can see they're kind of downtrodden people it's like uh you just get out and get a different job <laughs> well and some people complain about it for 10 15 years and at yeah. some point you have to realize okay you've just accepted like this is what your life is so <laughs> um so uh with the employees with the technicians did you have to train your techs like, hey, we do this a little bit differently than other people? Um, yes. So if they have worked for, if they've worked for other MSPs, um, they have a hard time working for me uh, because we're very unstructured in the way that uh, everybody works from home and um, each of my people is assigned a group of clients of which they're entirely responsible for. So they have a very high level of responsibility. They're supposed to, it's almost like they're, it's a little bit like they're independent business owners, right? They're supposed to go out, make sure that they know everybody in those businesses and what they do and what their issues are and be fully capable of, you know, rolling out the new server or the new ERP system, as well as handling the help desk and um, the whole, the whole nine yards. And when we have our meetings um, with the client, you know, where we're talking business and strategy and budgeting and stuff like that, um, although either myself or Ted go with them, they are expected to lead that meeting. So right, I never want to undermine anything with the client that they don't have their tech who's in charge, right? So they may bring in other of us to work on things, but I always want the tech to be seen as the one that's in charge. So would you say that your techs are more business savvy when, I mean, they, they become more business savvy. Do they start out more business savvy? 
than the average, you know, IT company? Uh, some do and some don't. Uh, on average, I think they do, just because maybe of some of the interview questions that I ask for, I'm looking for someone who's more, who's more well-rounded, has a lot of, of different kinds of, of IT experiences, uh, and somebody who, when I, when we're, when they're talking about technology, I listen to see if they're talking about the tech or they're talking about what the tech does. Right. So it's one thing to, to like, you know, I don't, I don't want the gamer types, right. If I, I, you know, if somebody starts going off about the hardware and the specs and the this and the that and the throughputs and the blah, blah, it's all, all very good and technical and, and, you know, some people love that stuff. To me, the hardware has just been a means to the end. And the end is um, our, our, our job, I always say, is IT has no purpose other than to make the business great. So what I'm looking for people to say in an interview are things about what they did and the impact that it had on the business so that they're tying those two things together. If they can't tie those two things together, then they usually don't make it through the interview process. Right. So um, when you interview, is it hard to find technicians that fit it's, that model? It, it's the hardest thing is to find technicians that have a well-rounded background. Um, here in the Metro Detroit area, we are blessed and cursed with having a large number of world headquarters, <laughs> uh, which means very large IT departments. And we have um, HP has their worldwide uh, help desk center here. So, you know, they've got like 5,000 help desk people sitting in cubicles wearing headsets. Uh, you know, and changing, helping people change passwords all day. Uh, and Barracuda has their, um, has their help center here also, which is got to be a couple thousand people in there as well. Uh, and there's, you know, there's just a bunch of them to service the large corporations. So when I put out a job, job application, you know, 80% of them will be those. And then there'll be another group that, that uh, has been working um, temp jobs, and they don't call them temp jobs, contract work, right. uh, you know, for the last large number of years. And they think they're making a ton of money, but they're not. Uh, and, you know, they usually want a lot of money and actually their experience is pretty shallow, right? right. If you bring in someone and they work for three months um, you know, the project that they worked on sounds impressive, but when you drill into it, it's not much. And so they'll just have a whole string of that. And so you got the contract workers and then the big, the big company workers tend to be too pigeonholed. Right. Right. You know, I've interviewed people that change passwords all day. I've interviewed people that change backup tapes all day. Um, you know, just stuff like that. This they're so pigeonholed on the one thing. It's like, I know Active Directory. Oh, you know, okay, well, tell me about Active Directory. Well, you know, each day I have a list of users and I create about, you know, 30 to 40 users a day. It's like, and 
you know, <laughs> and that's it. Uh, you know, that, but that's, they have yeah, that's a certification. <laughs> they have a certification. They know Active Directory because every day they create users in Active Directory. It's like, you know, there's a little more to it than that. But very cool. Well, sadly, we are out of time, but we should do this again and talk. Talk. We should like go down that road and talk about hiring people and some of that because I think that that'll be an important topic in about six months. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Amy Babinchak from Third Tier and uh, Harbor, uh, Harbor Computers, is that it? Harbor Computer Services. Harbor, Harbor Computer Services. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Thank you. That will do it for this SNB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SNB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.